and ask about Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Maves, your host for tonight's show. And on this broadcast, we'll be featuring Zeke Hirsch, and he'll be answering your most important questions on fly fishing the Colorado River. This show will be 90 minutes in length, and we're broadcasting live over the Internet. If you'd like to ask Zeke a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. You'll see a form in the right-hand column of uh, all our web pages. Just fill in your name and email address in that form, and we'll keep you informed. This broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website about 48 hours after the show ends. Uh, you can also find it on any of the podcast distribution sites like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Feedspot, Player FM, or any of the other platforms you might be using for podcasts. So check it out there as well. If you have to leave early, you can return to our website or any of the distribution uh, platforms at your convenience and listen to the recording at any time. If you're out and about on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, we'd sure appreciate it if you'd share our podcast and when you do. Use the hashtag AskAboutFlyFishing and hashtag FlyFishing. In fact, if you have a moment, uh, do it right now. Just pop out there. We've got share buttons there on the home page and, and share, the, share the knowledge that we're going to get from um, Zeke tonight on the Colorado River. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted and is the property of the Knowledge Group Inc. doing business as Ask About Fly Fishing. When we return, we'll be talking with Zeke Hirsch about fly fishing the Colorado River. Looking for that shot at a permit? Whipray Key Fishing Lodge in Belize is where you want to be. When you stay at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, you're on a private island and are only minutes away from some of the finest permit fishing in Belize. Whipray Key is just a 30-minute boat ride from Placencia. Once you're there, you'll be fishing Permit Alley, one of Belize's best fisheries, and you won't be taking long boat rides to get started. You'll fish with world-class guides like Daniel Cabral, whose family has fished the area for over 30 years. Want to switch it up and fish for tarpon and bonefish and make it a grand slam? They can make it happen at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge. Book your next adventure now. Visit WhiprayKeyFishingLodge.com. Before we introduce Zeke, we'd like to let you know about the great prizes we have to give away tonight. For our drawing tonight, we'll be giving away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered yet for the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look for the link under Zeke's section that says click here to register for our drawing. Click on the link to fill out the form and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away a book courtesy of Stackpole Books and here's how you can win. Uh, you must be the first person to answer the question we ask at the end of the show and uh, the question uh, or questions will be about something that Zeke and I talk about during the show. So just submit your answer along with your name and location using that text box on our homepage. Uh, so listen closely and use your best typing skills. Take notes and uh, uh, activate those memory cells and uh, see if you can't win one of these books. I've got a whole list of books from Stackpole that I can give away, and uh, I'll be happy to send you that list if you win, and you can pick the book that you'd like to have. So, um, so that's a, a great prize to, to win tonight. Our guest tonight is Zeke Hirsch. Zeke grew up in Washington State and fell in love with fly fishing at an early age then moved to Colorado in 1992. His passion progressed, and Zeke started guiding in 1996, and then shortly thereafter, 
Zeke started a fly shop in Breckenridge, Colorado called the Blue River Anglers. Zeke's passion for float fishing started in these early days of his career. In 2014, Zeke sold his business and decided to pursue other career opportunities while, while guiding part-time. This brief sabbatical gave clarity that the fly fishing industry was what Zeke was supposed to be doing. Zeke soon found himself at Trout's Fly Fishing, Trout's fly Fishing's head float fishing guide out of Denver and Frisco, Colorado. In the winter of 2017, Zeke moved to Sarasota, Florida to pursue a dream of becoming a captain and a saltwater fly fishing guide. This was a, an amazing learning experience, gaining fishing and boating knowledge, obtaining a captain's license and starting a guide service and making some great friends. In the summer of 2018, a job opportunity became available with Trout's Fly Fishing, and now Zeke is acting as Trout's Fly Fishing's regional general manager, outfitting manager, and head float fishing guide. Zeke has been guiding and floating in Colorado for 24 years. The Colorado River has a special place in Zeke's heart. Besides working and floating the rivers, many sections Zeke loves to talk about uh, this amazing river and Colorado's fishing and outdoor opportunities. Hey, Zeke, welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. Good evening, Roger, and good evening, everybody else. <laughs> good. Good to have you. And uh, let me just boost your volume just a bit there. Sorry, folks, we got a little late start. I was having some uh, little technical difficulties, and, uh, but, uh, hey, we weren't too bad off, so uh, I hope you're all uh, with us now and uh, going to enjoy the show. So let's get started. So... Colorado's a long river, Zeke. <laughs> I spent 21 days on part of it one time in my life, so uh, running the Grand Canyon. But uh, it all starts here in Colorado. And uh, um, the area that we plan to talk about tonight is an area that you're kind of home base uh, from a place called Pump House down to a, a town called Rifle. And um, so for those of you that... For those that are not familiar with this stretch of the Colorado River, can you kind of orient us and, and place this in the state of Colorado and its relationship to the, to the large river that Colorado is? You bet, you bet. So, you know, uh, the Colorado really starts, its headwaters are Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, Granby kind of area, uh, Grand Lake, and then it kind of all a couple small streams of Fraser, the actual Colorado or Grand River, join together and start the Colorado River as we know it in, uh, you know, around Hot Silver Springs and kind of gradually flow west um, through Kremlin and down through Gore Canyon, which is quite a, a spectacle if you've ever, ever been able to see that. Um, some really serious rapids in there, and then you'll hit Pump House and just starts making its way west and, and, and heads to the, to the desert of Grand Junction and into Utah and then, of course, uh, you know, down through, you know, Nevada, Utah, uh, Arizona, California, and Mexico, and unfortunately does not kind of dry, is used up um, before it meet, reaches the Sea of Cortez, um, which it used to reach um, years ago. But, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of the Colorado River. Yeah, there's, um, there's a, a really good book, if anybody's interested, called uh, Down the Colorado uh, River, and it, uh, and it, takes you all the way down, just like you said, to where it trickles out at the end. But it talks yeah. about all the water rights and so forth along the way, yeah. pulling water out yeah. when. And it's very interesting. To, uh, I mean, there's a lot centered around that river. <laughs> it's, it sure is. You know, there's, an, 
There's another good book called Running Dry um, by John Waterman, which is also a great book. And this was written just, I don't know, 10 years ago at the most. And there's a fellow who is from Carbondale and runs basically the Colorado from Grand Lake all the way to the North Sea of Cortez. Of course, doesn't make mm -hmm. it there and has to walk there, but does yep. every possible stretch. So it's a pretty neat um, book as well. Yeah, yeah, good reads. Uh, a lot of people don't I mean, it made me appreciate the river a lot more after... Uh, you know, learning more about it. So um, it's one of my favorite favorite rivers in the world. So, Most so um, we got. I'm going to just kind of roll through these questions. We got a bunch of questions from several people, and what our plan here is to kind of start at pump house and work our way down, talking about the different sections and how to fish them and access them and so forth. But uh, some questions came in that kind of address all the areas, and I want to just give people credit for them, and and hopefully. Uh, Zeke and I can talk about these things as we go through these different sections. So Chris um, in Oklahoma City wrote in and says, what are your top three wading access points for the river, and what type of water should one expect to encounter in each spot, riffles, low pools, fast and deep, etc." So um, I know there's a lot of wading access in a bunch of these sections, so we can talk about that. And then Craig in Portland, Oregon, uh, wrote in and says, uh, what is the best section for those fishing without a boat? They're not familiar with the Colorado. So that kind of goes with the first one of what are these access waiting points. And then we've got Dale Yamamoto uh, in Chicago. He says, how do your tactics change during the year? So um, that we can talk about. And Scott in Arvada, Colorado, what's your favorite nymph setup for the Colorado? Well, that may change as we go downstream. So Zeke will uh, enlighten us about that. And then uh, Frank Hedda in Loveland, Colorado, wanted to know about hatches on the river, when they occur and so forth, so on some of the best strategies. So, um, Zeke, you think we can handle those along our journey down oh, yeah. to Colorado here? Okay, oh, yeah. good. Not good. a problem. Not a problem. Good, good. Well, let's um, start at Pump House and a uh, section that's well-known from Pump House to State Bridge. And uh, tell us, you know, how we get to Pump House and uh, is that the only access point to get to State Bridge? And what are the access points in between there, maybe for waders? Talk about that first. Yeah, you bet. So um, Pump House, you're going to access uh, that off of the Trough Road, which uh, Trough Road is also County Road 1, um, which you access off of Highway 9 around Kremling or out of State Bridge. You can kind of access them either way. Um, and you'll see the pump house signs. I think it's like 14 miles from Highway 9 or maybe it's 22, something in there, and drive down. That's the first access point um, on the, as far as floating uh, access. Um, there are some. You could actually do Gore Canyon, too, if you're you know, a whitewater rafter. And uh, by all means, when you go do Gore Canyon, I've got the chance to do it once in my life. And it was amazing whitewater. And there's also amazing fishing in there, although you're usually trying to just think about surviving. But that <laughs> Gore Canyon could technically be the first put in. But that pump house, as far as fishing goes, is really going to be one of your first put-ins. And there's some access above pump house up into Gore Canyon, by all means, quite uh, an amazing stretch. The one thing you will run into is some cliffs that will cliff you out in some sections. So you might have to hike around them or, you know, wade or even swim. Um, you know, the other side or this northern side of the river there has a railroad. But, you know, technically um, trespassing on a railroad is illegal. So, you know, that's to be used with caution, though I know a lot of people do that. 
Um, and then so that's Pump House, and there's a bunch of new public access too. Um, they've expanded that area, and you can actually do some wade fishing right at Pump House and below Pump House. And then the next stretch, about five miles down, um, or the basically the takeout is going to be Radium. And Radium is also accessed off of the trough road, and that's another, again, about five miles downriver and probably about the same driving distance. And there are there is some public property right around there for wade fishing as well. And then you get another is that about... What, is, that, is, is there kind of a little resort there at Radium, kind of? Um, uh, no, that's that's going to be Rancho. Store. Radium itself it oh. used to be a stage stop, I think. There's also a road at Radium that will take you up to Gore Pass, which is, uh, I still haven't done that road, but I've, I've always wanted to. But you can definitely uh, see that road heading up to Gore Pass. But there's definitely a, um, a rafting company based out of there, but it's not that Rancho Del Rio, which is farther oh, Rancho, down the yeah. That's the next, yeah, that's the next stretch yeah. down. So. Okay. So, you know, yes, you got radium, you got some wade fishing around there. Then you get into that, um, it's, uh, um, what is it, uh, Yarmity, it's, um, well, there's Yarmity Rapid in there, but it's uh, Sheephorn Canyon, and there's Yarmity Rapid, a couple rapids. Really, by far, for years, radium to Rancho um, was one of my favorite stretches. And then you get to Rancho Del Rio, which is that resort. Uh, there's a store there. They run a shuttle service. There's a takeout there. And, you know, that little area is fairly slow, slower water. And then the next stretch down is that Rancho to State Bridge. It starts out very slow. The one interesting part about this particular stretch is now that trough road is actually right by the river. So there's a ton of little access points for wading. Um, again, you know, sometimes some of them are with that railroad, although it seems like People utilize them a lot, so and there's parking areas and um, a ton of good access. And then that next takeout is that state bridge, which is about four miles, five miles downriver. Yeah, yeah. Now I, that's where I think the last time I was floating uh, that that section, I did get like you mentioned a uh, shuttle service out of Rancho Del Rio. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, they'll actually they don't just uh, provide service for that stretch, but also down below as well, I found out. So, yeah, they sure do. Uh, yep. yeah, and they will, yeah, so Rancho will run shuttles from um, Pump House all the way to, I think they're kind of stopping now around Catamount. Um, okay. That's kind yeah. of, yeah. Okay. That's a good thing to know if you're going to float that uh, upper. And and according to the map, too, from that, uh, from Radium, well, just below Radium, where it's called Island, there's a campground, it looks like there. Um, mm-hmm. That stretch to... Um, to Rancho Del Rio is all it's either a long hike or, or you got to float it, right? I mean, there's no road along right. that. Uh, exactly, that exactly. There are, you know, in that radium section and even in that pump house section, there are some old dirt roads um, that have access and you can access the river. That said, people lose their cars off of them frequently. So, you know, it's, uh, oh, some of them are closed or have been closed. So, yeah, I mean, there, when it rains down there, that dirt can become clay, and it can get super sketchy. I think one of the – before the top trough road got redone, um, it's it's totally realigned now in that section. But I remember years ago driving out there on a stormy day and, um, you know, thinking just from mud that I was going to slide off the road. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've experienced that before up in uh, Dinosaur. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, there's big signs, do not go down here if it's raining. Right. <laughs> You're not coming back. <laughs> just what you said. Yeah, yeah, just, yep. just slide off. <laughs> yep. um, now, is that all, um, whether you float or, you know, um, or hike back in there, is that all public land there? Is that BLM in that area? It's a lot of BLM. Um, there, There is some private property, though, so... You know, at Radium specifically, there's a bunch of private property. Um, even upriver of Radium, there's private property. It tends to be mostly BLM. And and then there below Radium, there is a lot of BLM, but then you'll run into little pockets of, of private as well. But no. for the most part, Pump House to Radium or Pump House to Rancho, it's probably... 70% BLM, you know, mm-hmm. very, Pretty very good access, little, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to make mention as we move down river, too, about uh, camping opportunities and so forth, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks like, um, I remember we camped at Pump House, I think, the night before yeah. we put in. Uh, but there's, it looks like a campground at Island in Yarmony. Uh, yep, most definitely. Places, yeah. So it it could be possible to do kind of a multi-day float trip from most, here. I mean, most definitely. Going past State Bridge and so forth. Yeah, most definitely. So there's camping at Pump House. There's toilets at Pump House. There's uh, camping at Radium and toilets at Radium. In years past, they used to have toilets in the island and the benches and many of those spots on that section from Pump House to State Bridge. There's actually quite a few um, designated campsites which are first come for service, and there were toilets. Those toilets have been taken out, and now mm-hmm. kind of the rule with the BLM down there is you need to bring a toilet. So yeah. if you're doing an over, you know, it can be a wag bag or, you know, a full-on, you know, um, camping or, you know, uh, rafting Groover. toilet. But the, <laughs> yeah, Groover, yep. But the, <laughs> the wag bag will suffice, suffice for sure. But that's something to, to be aware of because, Technically, if you go down there without a toilet and you're camping overnight and you don't have that, you're you could be ticketed. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yep. Good to know. Um, and for people out of state, uh, you want to explain the uh, the our water rights laws as far as access. Yeah, you bet. So in Colorado, um, if you own both sides of the stream, you own the stream bottom too. So. You can't throw anchor in those areas, or technically you're trespassing, and you also can't, you know, step on that bank. Um, if they own one side and they don't own the other, they technically own to the middle of the river. So you could be all the way over to the other side and be able to throw anchor. And again, that, you know, what's the middle of the river? That's going to be a judgment call there as well. So, um, so yeah, it's not like other states. Montana, you know, would be one to come off off the top of my head, where you can use that high water mark and access private property through public property. So unlike other states, we we cannot. And so that's a right. very uh, important thing to remember. And there's, you know, the Colorado River itself, um, you know, there's a lot of people utilizing it. They're, you know, you could make a mistake and you're probably not going to get bothered. Other places in the state, the Lake Fork of the Gunnison, other places, um, you yeah. know, you do not want to make a mistake for sure. <laughs> yeah, and the Gunnison is really dicey. <laughs> it right, like it changes mm-hmm. every hundred yards. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Uh, yeah, most yeah. definitely. Um, 
We need to take a quick break here, Zeke. Uh, when we come back, let's talk about the fishing in that area and what to expect. So uh, hang with me, and we'll be right back. All right. Sounds good. Baja Fly Fishing Company is dedicated to fulfilling your vacation dreams, and just so there's no mistake, they derive as much pleasure helping a novice improve as they do fishing with a pro. From the casual to the hardcore, they can match your expectations with their experience in coaching. A vacation with Baja Fly Fishing is more than a fishing trip. It's a full-on Baja experience that you will remember forever. They know the Baja after 40 years of traveling its back roads, kayaking its shoreline, surfing and snorkeling while pioneering the fly fishing techniques that have evolved into the tactics used today. They are well-versed in fly fishing the beach, in kayaks, on pongas, and are well-versed in all tackle types. Join them in pursuit of roosterfish, dorado, marlin, sailfish, wahoo, jack creval, yellowfin, skipjack, and many other species. Learn more about Baja Fly Fishing Company by visiting their website at www.bajaflyfish.com. That's bajaflyfish.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We're talking with Zeke Hirsch about fly fishing in Colorado River. If you'd like to ask Zeke a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send your question. We receive your question immediately. We'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. Uh, Zeke, I always ask my guests, hey, what's going on in your fly fishing world? So tell us about your, you know, your shop over there and your guide service and what's happening with you. You bet. Um, so work right now for Trout Fly Fishing um, out of the Frisco store, and I run all the outfitting. So permitting is the thing that I'm doing right now, getting ready for next year, and um, and so I run that for Denver and Frisco, and. Then just, you know, running the shop, managing the employees, getting ready for summer, you know. It's uh, right now, you know, it's right around the corner. And, and really I always consider the after Super Bowl Sunday, you know, it's fishing season. So um, I'm ready to, to go and see some warmer temperatures and get out there and break my boat out myself and um, get out there on the river. And March is always kind of, you know, I think I was just looking at the calendar. I think uh, daylight saving end, ends on uh, March 9th. And to me, that's that's great. It means um, we're gonna have some fun, and uh, and summer's coming. Um, so yeah, just been doing that. Been fishing a little bit this winter. Get was up on the Upper Colorado, not uh, not below um, Pump House there, just last week, and that fished really well. And then I've uh, been over on Salida and and fished the Arkansas. So been getting out a little bit and kind of getting the the itch for some maybe some warm weather or salt or uh, or just breaking out my boat. So it's it's, sure. it's uh, fishing season for sure. You want to give the uh, website for trout, so in case people want to. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's troutsflyfishing.com. Say and, it again. Uh, yeah, troutsflyfishing.com. Okay, troutsflyfishing.com. So, folks, if you're looking for a guide or some information, you know, look them up in Frisco if you're up in that area, and uh, you're in the Colorado, and check them out. And uh, Zeke, you were also speaking at the fly fishing show this year in Denver, right? So. I was, yep, yep. I was, I was doing a couple Speaking presentations coming up. Um, right now I don't have anything coming up besides this. This was the the last one on my docket for a little bit, and um, huh. I'm sure we'll get some get some more stuff happening. Uh, I've been kind of just mm -hmm. concentrating on getting our uh, our shop up and up and ready for the for the spring yeah. season. Yeah. Well, good, good, good. That sounds good. All right. Well, let's uh. Talk a little bit about the uh, the fishing in this Pump House Estate Bridge. What kind of fish are we talking about in there? Rainbows, browns? What do you yeah. expect to catch there? You bet. Um, browns, rainbows, um, a good little mix of some rainbows. There are definitely some nice rainbows in this stretch. 
um, some whitefish. You never know. You could catch a, cut, a cutthroat or a brookie, too. Uh, those do happen from time to time. But, you know, primarily browns and, and then some rainbows for sure. And then, you know, you can definitely find a ton of whitefish if you're looking for them. And most of the time, those whitefish are going to come nymph, straight up nymph and fishing deep. Um, but, yeah, browns and rainbows for sure. And uh, what do you, uh, this is all kind of... Um uh, well, explain the the river itself. What kind of water are we looking at here, and what kind of hatches might be going on in that water? Yeah, you bet. So, you know, Gore Canyon, a lot of pocket water, a lot of rapids. As you get to Pump House, it slows down. There is a new whitewater park right there, so you got some big, slow runs. Um, fish is really good for nymphin. Um, later in the summer, you can definitely uh, dry dropper fish that stuff, but uh, those big, long holes have good holding water for those fish to, to lie in and usually you can find quite a few fish packed into small areas especially this time of year um, as you get into the canyon it's a fairly tight canyon moves pretty quickly through uh, what they call little gore canyon uh, and there's a couple of nice little rapids in there and and then it opens up again and gets pocket water and a little couple of real nice slow long runs you got uh, radium hot springs, which is, you know, basically like a warm bathtub. It's not much of a hot springs, uh, and it's usually quite busy. And then, again, picks up again, speed, more riffles uh, in that lower stretches, and that's usually down uh, by, by cabin, uh, which is the cabin um, campsite. And then before you know it, you're, you're right into some braids, and that's right at radium, and uh, you're just above the next canyon of... Um, uh, Sheephorn, Sheephorn Canyon, which is right up, right below Radium. Um, so Where's some good that, uh, off fishing the, opportunities. There, there's one sticky point in that whole float, right? What, I think it's Needle's Eye. Is that what it's called? Needle's Eye. Yep, yep. And that that's going to be in that in that uh, Little Gore Canyon for sure. And okay. you know, it's really not that hard or rapid, but you know, you're coming into it kind of fast. So you just got to slow down. Um, there is a nice eddy on the left. I always tell people when they're learning that to even check out that river left entrance to that rapid. There's, it's, there's an eddy where you can completely stop, you can look at it, and then you can drop it really slowly, and you just got to tuck your oars. But there's nothing after you drop it. You know, that right side there is a little bit of a rock that you kind of have to navigate, make sure you make it around on the, on the bank, and it kind of wants to push you to the bank. Um, so typically, you know, that people will hit that other rock on the bank and then kind of tips them to the left, and they can, you know, that's when they have an issue or sink their boat. So, um, but for the most part, it's pretty, pretty simple, simple yeah. rapid. You know, I, I say sink a boat. That's going to be a, a drift boat, and that's high water. I think it would be very difficult to sink yeah. a boat. I have seen, I've seen canoes pinned on that rapid, um, but again, you know, that's a canoe. That's a, it's a. You know, it's not even a canoe made yeah. for whitewater, just people out there trying to canoe the river, so. Yeah, I, you know, the, the, when I ran it, it was it was just pretty straightforward. It's just kind of a narrow chute, right? You know, that you just kind yeah, of most definitely. straight through. Most and, definitely. And it wasn't very hard. But you got to be, you got to know it's there, otherwise, you know. Yeah, you got to know it's there and be able to navigate. And I would say the, yeah. the hardest time to run that is really low, because as you're entering it, there's lots of weird boulders in the water above it, you know, that you're having to move around and navigate through, you know, and then super high. You know, so real low yeah. and super high. Other than that, yep. it's pretty simple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you had mentioned you're doing uh, pretty much deep nymphing techniques through here. Is there any dry fly fishing that happens? Uh, yeah, there's, there hatching? sure is. I mean, I'll tell you what, 
you know, 80% of the time I'm dry dropper fishing okay. uh, when I'm drift fishing, mostly because I don't want to lose a ton of flies. But, you know, this time of year I'll be nymphing. Early season I'll be nymphing. Then late season where maybe I'll have a, a few different setups for, for both, you know, like start out doing some nymphing or maybe having one guy dry dropper, one nymph. And then as you get into the canyon, you know, maybe you're nymphing some of those deeper runs. Um, but there's definitely, this time of year, I'd be nymphing. You know, we're probably not flowed. I don't think it's open right now. I'd say pump house for wade fishing could be open, and you can definitely nymph in there. But a lot of times I'm using what we call like a, uh, I call a, sh a shallow water nymphing rig or just a triple trouble, and it's basically a dry dropper setup with three flies and a short leader to your first dry fly and pretty heavy tippet because you're using a big dry fly, and then a very long dropper section and, you know, fluorocarbon, probably 3X tippet to a pretty heavy first nymph, um, like a patch rubber legged or, some, or you know, wire stone, something that's going to sink real fast and that's a little decent size. And then uh, maybe, you know, downsize that tippet and, again, using fluorocarbon and about a 16-inch section of tippet and to another smaller pattern, whether it's a Rainbow Warrior or a BT, a BTS Betis or something like that, mm -hmm. um, that's going to be kind of that attractor pattern. Um, mm -hmm. Or, well, not a tractor pattern, the uh, um, kind of the point fly that you're looking for to catch the fish on. So, um, as far as hatches go, blooming olive hatches going on there? Adam? Yeah, you know, my kind of what I was writing down for my progression of hatches, you know, this time of year we got a few midges, maybe you're going to find some fish rising to midges, and then blueing olives, you know, as we start warming up in spring, we got those blueing olive hatches starting to happen. And then kind of your first significant hatch besides the blueing olive hatch is going to be that uh, caddis hatcher right around Mother's Day. It uh, can happen a little earlier, a little later. And uh, that Mother's Day caddis hatch, just like on the Arkansas, can be quite well on the, on the Colorado. One thing I do always note about the Colorado that it has a little more chance of becoming muddy a lot quicker. So that Mother's Day caddis hatch is one that can be really affected by the mud and the off-color water. So you might only get a couple days. So as soon as you hear that there's caddis moving up in the section you like to fish, you should get there as soon as possible. So, you know, after that caddis fly, the same thing is going to go with the, the salmon fly hatch, and that's going to be like first part of June. And the same scenario with that is basically you might have these clearing sec times of usually during cold fronts it's going to be nice and clear as that warm front comes through and starts warming the air temperature and melting that snow it's going to start getting muddy and so mm -hmm. as soon as you hear that there's salmon flies happening you need to get to that river as soon as possible because it could be only that day it could be two days it could be a week but chances are it's not going to be a week so mm -hmm. get there as soon as possible one that's, thing that's i always say like to be a a guide on the river every day. <laughs> it does. It in. does. And you know, one one thing I like to joke with people about is that you see it on uh, it may you see it on Instagram and somebody's posted the picture of the first um, salmon fly hat on their finger or on a bush and chances are it's too late. You already missed it. And so yeah. I always tell you know <laughs> it is yeah. And and what I always tell people is that if you know first of June, last week of May, first of June, first two weeks of June. Uh, if you want to hit the caddis fly hatch, you know you need to take a couple weeks off of work and you need to camp at the river because that's how you're really going to see it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, one question from Matt uh, Fugazi, Commerce City. 
He says, uh, what do you consider your favorite time of year to fish this uh, pump house section on down the State Bridge and why? You know, I really like fall. Um, spring can be really good as well. Again, no people. But fall, you just it's something about the the sun that time of year and how it's still warm. There's not a lot of people on. The water's clear. Um, you can get those blueing olive hatches even on a sunny day. The fish are active. Um, the water's kind of maybe not super low, but it's lower, and you can really see all those those you know, rock bars and pockets. And it's just a it's a real good time of year to fish, and you can also go up in the Gore Canyon. It's fairly low, it's weightable, um, got a bunch of really good riffles and rock bars to fish up there, and you know all through that stretch, Radium Durancho is really good. That's one of my favorite stretches to fish in the fall for sure. Yeah, and even you know when you moving on now, let's talk about State Bridge to Two Bridges, but. I remember that section, floating that section in the fall. It's just so gorgeous because all the cottonwoods are turning and stuff. Yeah. And it's just the colors are incredible uh, going yeah. through there. So uh, besides yeah. the fishing, <laughs> the, the scenery exactly. is gorgeous. Um, yep. so, so there at State Bridge, which is right where the highway crosses um, the river, albeit State Bridge, right? <laughs> you got it, um, yep. There's a few facilities there, right, and to put in and take out. Um, yep. And from there, we go on down to, I guess, the, it's the next takeout is Two Bridges, which isn't too far you down got it. The, the, the stream, right, the river. Yeah, it's about four or five miles down river. Yeah. So that's a easy uh, half-day float there. Yeah, I mean, half-day float, uh, you can you can really work it well doing a, doing a full day, too, as well. and. One nice thing that I like about that stretch is it's paved the whole way. So, you know, if it's going to be, if it's rainy and you know that the trough road, if you've ever driven trough road on a really rainy day and you'll just destroy your vehicle and your boat with mag chloride um, that they basically oil that road with. So, you know, a day when you're like, well, I'm not too sure the river, I know the river's running clear, but, man, I don't want to destroy my vehicle. That's a great one to be on for sure. Mm-hmm. And you can come into State Bridge from uh, from Vale area, right? So yeah, you can. Uh, I believe it's 131. I think. Yeah, yeah, or 134, 131. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is all paved there. I, I believe. All paved. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so that's uh, you can avoid the trough road if you want to get to State Bridge coming that way. You, yeah. Um, so it. what difference? Uh, you know, what's the? How does this section differ from uh, the section we just talked about? You bet. I mean, one of the things from Pump House down to State Bridge, it's busy. You know, that's one of the busier stretches on the on the river. Tons of commercial rafting, tons of paddle boarders, all of it. Tons of people just recreating on the river. Rancho has concerts there. Sometimes you're running through and there's a full concert going there. So something to think about. State Bridge down, it still can be busy, State Bridge to Two Bridges but it's nowhere near as busy as those upper stretches. So that's a little bit of the difference. Um, so, you know, as when you get less busy, you know, you, now the fish maybe aren't fished for as much, so maybe there's heavier tippet or not as specific on flies, not as small flies. You know, the water tends to slow down a little bit, I would say, uh, and you start getting a little wider and bigger stretches of the river, uh, at least it seems like to me. So, yeah, so, you know, a lot, all of those changes, you know, the fishing specifics kind of stay the same, but now those fish, 
maybe you're, fish, you're fishing a little more pocket waters as opposed to fishing just eddies uh, and banks, even though some of those other places upstream we're going to, you know, you would ask one of the questions we're going to talk about is, like, where to find these fish. And, um, you know, they're similar but a little bit different for sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, from there down to um, the next takeout is, is Catamount, right? Yeah, from two bridges, um, so state bridge to two bridges, that one stretch in, and then then it's two bridges to Catamount, and that's a quite long stretch. That's about 10 miles. This this section is definitely quite a bit slower, only a couple, a little rapids on that section, but um, a little slower water, a little more like fishing banks, definitely still eddies and pockets, but definitely fishing longer runs and banks kind of starts feeling like you're fishing a bigger river in Montana, you know, it starts getting wider, uh -huh. bigger, and you're doing longer drifts sometimes. So it's it's definitely now changed quite a bit. And that, you know, you're not not so much of an in a canyon anymore. The um, skyline's kind of opening up for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, um, and it looks like the road pretty much uh, follows the river in that section too. Yeah, right? it does. So you know, you... weight fishing in. Yeah, so 131 um, follows it for a brief time. That's all private property. As you get on back onto now, it's it's different county now. Now it's, now it's yeah, I don't know if it's County Road One at at, in, at that time anymore. It still could be. I'm trying to remember, but that's now essentially the river road. And that river road, not the trough road. Now they're considering that the river road. That river road will you're going to follow the signs for Dotsero, and that uh, Dotsero is probably 30. 40 miles downriver from um, 131, and now the, that road will start paralleling the river. That said, there's still a lot of private property along that stretch. There are some public water stretches. You've got to keep your eyes out for them. They're not marked super visibly. There's no big signs. They're usually just small little signs, but there, there is some wade fishing for sure. Now, we talked about uh, above State Bridge. Uh, Finding rainbows and browns does that uh, change as we move down river? Are we finding more browns? You know, you yeah, you know, you're still seeing rainbows and browns. It's they they still um, 70, 30, you know, something like that. Um, the there are sections that you'll find a lot of rainbows in it, within these other within these you know uh, actual sections of floating. But and I say that like you, you know maybe you'll run it, you'll be like, oh, I know I can catch catch rainbows in this section. And there's just a couple areas where the rainbows like to hang out um, for some reason or another, and so you'll catch more rainbows in certain areas, um, whether it's the deeper, you know, deeper holes, and those those rainbows are living deeper for cooler water. I mean, that's one idea that I would have. But um, yeah, so you'll you'll find a little of both still, and um, you know, again, browns kind of are the predominant species in there, but you'll definitely catch some nice bows for sure. And it looks like. Um from Catamount down to what's the next uh, takeout would be Derby. Catamount to, is Derby. Pinball. Yep, yep. And, and on our list, I think we're saying pinball. So you know, Cat to Derby, um, probably you know one of my favorite stretches uh, on the whole river. Um, and we used to have a takeout that was quite easy it used to be Cat to Burns, and that was um, changed when they rezoned. I guess they didn't rezone, but they. Um, resurveyed for that bridge. They put a new bridge in there and found out that the old takeout was actually on private property, so they marked that off. And now you have to do Rodeo Rapid 
to get to Derby, which is a private takeout. You can still utilize it. You just have to pay, I think, $10 uh, per vehicle for private water or, or a private trip and or 20 bucks, I think, for commercial. Um, Rodeo is a significant rapid. rapid. You can look at it along the road, though, so you can scout it, but it's quite significant, especially in a hard boat. Um, soft boots, not so, not so significant, but even then, it'll make you pucker for sure. Um, but just a great section, just beautiful, not as many people down there, um, and now the, the thing is you have to do rodeo. So that's actually helped for a couple years to keep people out of there, but people are getting hip that they can run it, and unfortunately, I'm seeing more people there. <laughs> what what section did you say was one of your favorite sections? Is uh, Catamount to Derby. Oh, Catamount to Derby. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, yeah, to, to get out, you have to run. I, I get it. So. Yeah, um, to, to get out, you have to run Rodeo Rapid, which is, you know, they don't classify it as a very large rapid. Maybe it's classified as a three, but it's got a lot of rocks and a lot of gnarly things that, especially in a hard boat, will cause you problems. So, you know, just make sure you scout it and, and feel comfortable in that rapid um, <laughs> before you go for it. Um, and, again, or do it in a raft or something like that. But even a raft, it could be uh, quite dangerous for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anything can be dangerous. For sure. <laughs> I don't know. For sure. If you, you know, I, it's like uh, there was a guy, in fact, it was at Pump House. Um, <laughs> it was at Pump House one year I was putting in there, and I'm, I've got a hide boat, and... Uh, this guy had a hide boat on his trailer there, uh, getting ready to put it in. I go, your boat looks different. I said, there's something different about your boat. What, what's, you know, did you modify it or what? And he goes, no, but uh, he goes, uh, two years ago we were running down here, and um, I made the mistake of letting my friend who hadn't rowed before row, and he managed to uh, broadside us up on a rock, uh, and it wasn't in the rapid area. <laughs> It was just, yeah. you know, uh, and and he said, uh, and then the next thing we know is that the the boat's cracking apart and breaking apart. Yeah, and the front right. end came off of it, and they basically kind of swam to shore, I guess, waited, swam, yeah. whatever, and they're looking at it out there in two pieces, and uh, the, the one guy who knew how to row said, uh, they were partners in the boat, <laughs> and the, the one guy who knew how to row said, uh, he goes, well, I don't know. I said, I'm going to try to get it out of there. The other guy goes, oh, the hell with it. I'm, I don't want any part of it anymore, you know. And uh, <laughs> the guy says, so the whole boat's mine now? And he said, yeah. <laughs> so the guy got his truck and winched the parts out, took it to Denver yep. to the Marine Repair Place, and, and glued basically glued the front end back on. And that's why it looked funny to me. It just wasn't right. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. Um, but that happened on that river, and it wasn't in a big rapid, you know. So it doesn't yep. take a big most, rapid to, to mess it up, you know. So, most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, let's take a, a quick break again, uh, Zeke, and then we'll come back and, uh, and move on down the river here. All right. Sounds good. Watermaster is dedicated to providing their customers with the highest quality inflatables on the market as well as unbeatable customer service and product support. They are best known for their signature products, the Watermaster Grizzly and Kodiak rafts. These rafts are lightweight, compact, durable, versatile, and safe. Watermaster rafts are everything your personal watercraft should be. They have been used by anglers and hunters all over the world for over 15 years, including Dave Whitlock, one of fly fishing's greatest innovators. Dave said, with my Watermaster, I can enjoy more fishing per hour than any other method I have ever tried. After two and a half years of testing 15 models of kickboats, 
I'm convinced that the Watermaster is the ultimate personal flotation craft for warm and cold water fly fishing. Visit Watermaster today and take a look at the ultimate personal flotation craft. Go to BigSkyInflatables.com. Again, that's BigSkyInflatables.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Zeke Hirsch about fly fishing Colorado River. If you'd like to ask Zeke a question, just go to our homepage and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll try to get it answered. Um, uh, we do have a question coming in here, Zeke. Let's just take this one. Right. Mike Oldani in uh, St. Louis, he says, uh, cost for guide service. Do you mostly guide in drift boat or wade, or does the client have an option? Explain what you offer in a guided trip. Yeah, you bet. Um, so basically our charge for a float trip is 600 for one or 650 for two people. So that's a full day trip. That's in the lunch and all equipment. Um, it it basically is going to, you probably leave about 8 and you're probably back about 6, maybe a little later, uh, maybe a little earlier. As far as the boats that we use, it really depends on the guides. Um, you're definitely, I've got a ton of guys with drift boats, as well, I, that's what I row, and I've got guys with rafts. So if you have a preference, you can always ask, uh, and we can definitely accommodate that. And, uh, yeah, and then we float basically everything from state bridge all the way down to rifle. So we have a ton of options to to get out there and have some fun. And so a lot of this stuff we're going to be talking about today, if something piques your interest, we can get you out there for sure. There you go. There's your answer, yeah. Mike. So, All right, so let's uh, explore the rest of the river so we can get a picture of what what he might want to do here. Uh, there you go, yeah. To fish from St. Louis. So um, then we got, um, you could put in after Rodeo Rapid at Derby and then start uh, your drift there down to Pinball, right? Yep, you got it. So you can do pinball or derby to uh, pinball, which is about a five-mile stretch, and it's pretty neat, um, open, a little bit of a canyon, but kind of looks like you're in an area where there would be some cliff dwellings. The canyon walls are uh, a little bit different in this stretch, um, pretty neat terrain, definitely um, big eddies here. Sometimes the water will, if you got a lot of wind, it might you know, not allow you to get down river quite as easily, but there's a ton of good fishing. Um, it's really not fished a ton either, so definitely a cool stretch. Uh, and then you get to pinball, and when you hit pinball, you got pinball rapid right there, which if you've ever seen pinball, it's fairly uh, fairly serious rapid because it's all the water is going right into a bridge piling. So it's something that you have to navigate <laughs> around. Most of the time, the easiest way, there's a, there's a rock in the apex of the turn, so you have to go around the rock to the right, and then you have to ferry back to the left to get around that, uh, that piling that that water's taking you right to. Um, mm-hmm. At higher levels, you can actually go right. This summer, I went right, which is the first time, and actually put you into some really nice fishing water. I think we did really well that day going right, caught quite a few fish right at the bridge there. But then you get into a really amazing canyon. It's Red Dirt Canyon. Now that canyon gets very tall, very high canyon walls, and it's all red dirt. It's called Red Dirt Canyon. And some uh, really neat opportunities in there. And fast water, pocket water, some really good fishing. Again, maybe not the biggest fish in this stretch, but um, super fun. And they don't see a ton of flies. Yeah, and just... And then that pinball, you're going to float all the way to um, to Horse Creek, and uh, that's quite a ways downriver, but uh, it's quite quite fun stretch for sure. Well, do you, how does your fishing change in this section? Is it, uh, yeah, so 
Any new techniques to be trying? Um, you know, a lot of dry dropper fishing this on this stretch. There are a lot of beavers up in these areas, so you'll, you know, early season you'll be snagging on a lot of the, that cut beaver brush down the bottom of the river, so that's why a lot of times I'm doing those dry droppers. Definitely streamer fishing is, is good on this stretch. The upper stretch is very fast, pocket water, so you're really hitting those pockets. I think I even put some notes here to, you know, what you're doing differently. You know, just slow down and um, work any little pocket of darker water. A lot of times you're going to find fish in those any little pocket of darker water. And I say pocket, just a little little depression in the water, a little bit of deeper water, and you'll see that color change in that water. It's going to change from the color of rocks to a deeper green. One neat thing about the Colorado is we do have, uh, it is kind of a green, always carries a little silt, and so it's always kind of got a little bit of a color. Kind of When it's clear, it's still a little emerald and maybe a little blue in it. If it's got a little color to it, it's going to be a little olive, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, just fish in those pockets, slow down, really kind of slow slow down in this section. And as you get to what we call twin bridges, not to be confused with two bridges, um, this is a, a section where you're going to cross under the bridge for the road and then also a railroad bridge, and that's why they call it twin bridges. Now the river starts slowing down a little bit. still a mile, about a mile of faster water, but now it starts slowing down, and then you're going to get into still looking for pockets, but now you're looking for banks and eddies um, and stuff like that. So that that river will change a little bit as you get to that lower last three or four miles of that river. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you mean before you get to Horse Creek? Somewhere? Yeah, exactly. Before yeah. you get to the, yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks like a big meadow kind of area there where it's flattened yeah. down. And yeah, yeah, bunch of bottom, bunch of ranch bottom. land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, now, fishing-wise, from State Bridge on down here to Horse Creek, is it basically about the same? I mean, when we're talking fish per mile or size of fish, does it vary that much? Or? You know, I definitely can just say so from Pump House down to, to uh, State Bridge, quite a few more fish per mile. Um, as you start going downriver, you're going to get less fish, you know. Um, as when I first started venturing downriver below two bridges or below Catamount, you know, it took a little time. You're not catching as many fish, and you just got to find where those fish are. But once you find those pockets, you're going to find you'll catch just as many fish down there. There's just there's probably not as many per mile, but you just got to find where they are. And once you find those little pockets and those little spots where they're hanging, you're going to have just as successful a day as you did upriver. And I think the the key to fishing down lower is that you're not running into the people and the pressure. So there's maybe not as many fish, but because there's not as much people and pressure, you're maybe catching as many or not more fish. Mm-hmm. And um, the um, when we're talking about um, you know the fish for mile and so forth. Um, are they are they doing any stocking in any of these sections, or are these all wild fish? Or these are primarily all wild fish. Parks and Wildlife, I don't think, has stocked the Colorado for a number of years. They stocked, oh, I don't know, it was probably down ten or fifteen years ago when that whirling disease was kind of still had its grips on the river. They stocked some of those hoffer rainbows. I believe those they really haven't done much of it since then but you know private ranches can stock so you never know you might get that i think 
at least in this and all the way to dot Cerro, the, I don't I don't remember hearing any reports of stocking. I know downriver below Glenwood, they've definitely stocked in the past couple of years that I've been down there. But in this uh, state bridge to dot Cerro, I can't remember the last time that we were seeing okay. stocked fish. Yeah. Yeah. So then we've got uh, Horse Creek down to Cottonwood or Lions Gulch. Looks like two takeouts there. Yeah, there's there's a couple couple takeouts there below uh, Horse Creek, and this is a Eagle County open space put in, and right above it, some really great, you know, at the end of the day, if you did a pinball in the Horse Creek, some real slow, lakey water, but that can have some nice rising fish in it as well, um, and then, you know, put in at Horse Creek, uh, one Horse Creek Rapid right at the, basically right at the put-in with the big nasty rock right in the apex of the turn again, so something to keep your eyes open for as you're learning and especially if you have a uh, if a drift, drift boat you don't want to whack that rock um, and then after that rock it really pretty much slows down and you're just in some beautiful ranch lands tall banks used to have really tall grass on these banks some of the lower stretches are now getting um, uh, they, they have they were hay fields and they weren't cutting right up to the edge of the grass now they're cutting up to the edge of the grass so it's kind of unfortunate because I really like those real tall grassy banks but Really phenomenal deep holes. This particular stretch will surprise you in the fact that this is one of the stretches where you might catch 70% rainbows as opposed to, you know, the browns. Oh, really? So, um, okay. and, and I don't know if it's just the deep holes here. There's just a bunch of really nice deep holes and some really, there's definitely some really nice bows. I think, I don't know, some of the better bows are 20, 22-inch rainbows, you know, on dry flies in this particular stretch. So pretty phenomenal stretch. You're, it's pretty much the fishing. upper great hopper fishing, great hopper dropper fishing. I mean, most of the time that's all I'm doing in here or streamer fishing. I will definitely fish nymphs in some of the deeper holes if I have to. And that first upper stretch of, I don't know, it's probably – three, four miles is all private property. And then as you get out below the bridge there at um, on the river road, then you start opening up some public property and public lands where you can actually wade fish. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, then, then all of a sudden you're at Cottonwood Island, another two miles down river. Um, another two miles below that is, is Lions Gulch. One note to thing, a thing that noted thing about Cottonwood Island is that takeout is pretty shallow. And so if you have a drift boat, you're going to have to be um, it's shallow and it's not really put in the best spot. So you've got current kind of wanting to push that boat out of the, the little eddy, if, the, if you can even call it an eddy. And then at low water, that's, now you've got a little bit of current and you've got shallow water that you're dragging your boat over. So it's, a, it's not the most, the most optimal takeout. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's worth it, though. That's a beautiful stretch for sure. And then we're on to uh, Dot Cerro, where it's the town of Dot Cerro, yeah. and um, and then we're coming into uh, the main corridor <laughs> of Colorado, yeah, I seventy yeah. corridor. Yeah. Um, so, um, do you fish on down to Dot Cerro, or do you usually take out at Cottonwood? And um, I do fish on, you know, I like to call it Cot to Dot, and Cottonwood Island to Dot Cerro. It's probably about eight miles. And I do fish down there, especially early and late season. Come midsummer, it's it's the local quote unquote milk run for people at uh, um, in, in Eagle and Gypsum, and so you've got a lot of um, 
paddleboarders, a lot of rafters, a lot of fishermen. So it's kind of busy. You're kind of playing, playing bumper boats. You'll you'll kind of feel like you're back at the pump house uh, some days. But for <laughs> for the most part, you know, if you're fishing fall or you're fishing spring, it's, it's a great early season. Again, pavement all the way from Cottonwood Island to Dotsero. So, you know, great for keeping your vehicle out of the, the muck and your boat. And um, it actually fishes great, and there's a ton of good water. Um, there is some public water as well down there. And, um, yeah, so it's um, maybe maybe not as scenic as some of those upper stretches, but it's now it starts to really look like almost like, um, you know, western Colorado, Utah. So pretty pretty interesting in that. Yeah, and then Dotsero, I see there's a take out there. Um, yep, yep, right. And um, from on there, from there down, I don't see any takeouts for a long time. Grizzly Creek, is that the first takeout? Yeah, I mean, people do float from Dotsero down to Bear Ranch. Um, it's not a boat ramp, so you can't get a drift boat out of there. You have to drag your boat over grass um, and and use that bear ranch exit slash takeout and I don't I don't even know if it's technically a takeout but it, you know on the rest area on the, or uh, yeah. yeah I mean and on the river maps there when you're putting any whether it's you're putting in on the eagle or you're putting in the Colorado um, you know if you're putting in eagle your duck pond it's going to warn you that there's rapids coming up and that there's really no great put takeout down river and i believe the same sign is there at dot zero but there is some fishing it's pretty slow it's not necessarily the best water but i i do see people fishing it for sure it sure is pretty throw there though from the road you know yeah Driving yeah there's some definitely looks... especially especially right below dot zero for the first couple yeah. miles there's some nice nice gravel bars and whatnot and there's a little there's a yeah. spring that comes in over there and you can see it steaming on the cold days for sure so it's definitely pretty for sure yeah yeah so are you suggesting um that's not the best uh area to run because of the takeout and so forth but you could fish i would say uh, so yeah you know especially if you're not you know prepared to drag your boat over over the uh, grass and whatnot um mm -hmm. i would say and it's just a little slower so it's if that wind's yeah. blowing at all you're going to be you're going to be muscling your way down the river for sure yeah 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 uh, where would you pick up again? Uh, start fishing. Is Glenwood yeah, Canyon so any mo good? Uh, most people will will put in at Grizzly Creek and float Grizzly Creek down to two rivers or two rivers down or you know Grizzly to all the way to South Canyon uh, on the Colorado and you know Grizzly Creek Grizzly Creek section there in the canyon, beautiful pocket water, super neat section, but just like Pump House to Radium and Cot to Dot. When it's when it's summertime and it's go time and there's everybody utilizing the river, you're going to see a lot of paddleboarders. You're going to see a lot of rafting companies. Um, so you're going to have to deal with that. And so that's one of the reasons why I don't float it a ton is just because of the amount of traffic it gets up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that uh, yeah. the next takeout is Two Rivers is right in the middle of Glenwood Springs there, right? So you got it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And a little side note, uh, I know. They're reconstructing the boat ramp at Two Rivers, so I don't believe that's going to be open this this summer for a while. I don't. It, I think it, I think they're planning on opening it up, but uh, on the river left, a little farther down river, there's a rafting company that's opening their ramp. Um, I believe you have to get permission. I know as a permittee, we have permission, but I know I think you have to get permission um, to use that that boat ramp. Um, so that I think that's going to be. 
maybe for a couple months. I'd have to go back and look through my paperwork, but I know it's going to be closed for a while. Yeah, something to check on before you put the boat in up at Grizzly. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Take out. Um, no. Yeah, so, okay, so kind of like so-so between Doxero and Glenwood, uh, does fishing pick up after Glenwood? Down to, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I really think it does. And, I, and even Grizzly Creek, I think the fishing can be good. It's just a matter of the people. But, you know, yeah, as yeah. that Roaring Fork River comes in, you get all of that, you know, that Roaring Fork, if you've ever waded it or fished it, um, you know, it's just full of life. And you get the, in, the influx, input or influx of that life into the Colorado. Um, and that's also whether that's, you know, yellow sallies in the summertime. And the eagle also does that upriver as well. You know, yellow sallies, you don't seem to see a lot of them on that upper Colorado from Dotsero all the way to Pump House. But the eagle gets them, and so does the Roaring Fork. And when they, for miles after those two come into the Colorado, you really see uh, fish keying in on those and eating them. And there's just a ton of bugs living in those other rivers. And so you really see that down below the you know the confluence of the Roaring Fork with the Colorado, and you just see the health of the fish down there as well. They tend to grow really fast and and lar a little bit larger on that lower Colorado stretch. Hmm. And um, so you could put in well, maybe put in it uh, two rivers. Is there an alternate uh, put in that you could uh, put in on the Roaring Fork and then float through? You sure could. You could you could put in up at West Bank, which is about. Uh, Five miles, seven miles upstream, um, oh, and then ways. float into. Yeah. The, yeah, it's a little ways. So and then float into uh, the Colorado. That's the stretch that I do, and you know, so it, that'd make for a big day. But you know, you definitely can fish two rivers in one day, and that's that's always fun. And again, I think that rafting company will um, give access. I think if you either pay a little bit or. I think it's something like joining a, um, I know one I heard something about joining the Outfitters Coalition or like something like that down in the Glenwood Springs area. Kind of um, conservation effort or something? Yeah, exactly. And they're, you know, to help build boat ramps, et cetera, et cetera. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, the next uh, looks like takeout is South Canyon. You got it, yep. So that's the next takeout is that South Canyon, and that's right below South Canyon Rapids. So you have to do that rapid to get to that takeout. Um, the rapid's pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. especially with the level of water that you're getting down there. So, you know, it's it's not, not something you have to be super worried about. It's just a lot of volume. That's one thing I would say, you know, is after you get below Dotsero, you got the Dotsero, you got the Eagle coming in, adding its its CFS, its cubic feet per second, and that could be who knows what it is. You know, peak runoff season that can be a couple grand, and then you got the Roaring Fork bringing a couple grand in there. All of a sudden, and the Colorado is at four grand, you know, at Dotsero or something, and so you got all of a sudden eight grand in that river. So, the volume of water pushing below uh, the Roaring Fork confluence is is changed dramatically. And um, if you're not used to rowing in a lot of volume, it can be a different experience. So just be aware of that because that water will push you around a little differently for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, how is the, what about the fish and the fishing? Uh, how is it changing down in this area? Yeah, um, I think, you know, just lots of healthy big fish. These fish are spunky, feisty uh, I would definitely, most of the time, try to fish three hex down there just because you never know what you're going to get into. 
you know, let's see if I have my little notes here that I was talking about. Um, yeah, I think we did a, a show a while back uh, with Kirk Webb uh, on uh, uh, fishing for carp down in that area too. Right? Yeah, there's and definitely carp in some down. of these big big sloughs and, and uh, areas, and you can definitely get you know farther down as well, like the rifle area. I, you know, I've definitely seen them there. I've never really mm-hmm. went out to target them, um, but they're definitely there. As far mm-hmm. as the fishing techniques, you know, and fishing goes, I mean, you definitely get those bigger fish. Very similar fishing techniques. I really don't vary a whole lot. However, mm-hmm. now, you know, because we talked about yellow sallies being a little more readily available down there from the Roaring Fork and the Eagle, maybe I'll fish yellow, like a UV yellow sally uh, nymph. A little more often but yeah I'm you know I kind of have a handful of flies that I use and I I really kind of use those all over you know all up and down the river corridor and really just vary for seasons um, mm-hmm. for the most part what are those you know, handful uh, of flies oh the UV tallies are good good one uh, Pat's rubber leg um, BTS uh, the black and blue BTS um, nymph there and uh, same with the, or the, I'm sorry, it's a KGB, the black and blue KGB. Uh, the tan KGB is another one of my favorites. It's a kind of a, more of like a, it looks like a little PMD or a um, Sally Nymph. Oh, patch rubber legs, I think I said that. Um, various little betas patterns, uh, shot glass betas, um, two-bit hookers, those are good ones. Um, zebra midges, rainbow warriors, probably one of my favorite flies to use you know, year-round, and uh, chubbies, stimmies, uh, some caddis pattern, parachute atoms, and really, if you have little size runs in all of those, you're going to do pretty good. Um, uh-huh. What have you, um, flashback tongue stone, that's another one of my favorite. You know, and those kind of... About uh, streamers. Yeah, streamers, um, what are we doing? Uh, like, uh, oh, little Kim is always a good one. The uh, um, double gonga, or the yeah, the double gonga, the little baby gonga. Those are all good ones. I like to use pretty, pretty basic patterns sometimes too. A tie, tie of a little, like it's a little, um, like purple and and olive, just conehead bugger, you know, with UV, a lot of UV tied into it, and it does really well down there. It stinks real well. Using a sinking leader a lot of times too, just to get those flies down quicker. I don't necessarily use sinking line. Um, yeah, meat whistle. That's actually last fall. That was probably one of my favorite flies. Um, just super durable. You can just fish it all day. Fish gobble it up. That's great patterns. And you know, you know, using black, white. Um, you know, depending on the fly. You know, olive um, was do, doing really well in the um, in the meat whistle last year. Um, and then sometimes browns, yellows as well. Okay. Okay. Good. That's a hand. That's more than a handful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, let's uh, let's just kind of go ahead. I just was saying, Prince nymphs. You know, tungsten Prince nymphs. I left that one out, but that's a a favorite of mine for sure. Or tungsten flash prints. Those are also a great pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, we left off on the river at uh, South South Canyon uh, yeah. takeout, and then I see Dino Hole. Uh, Tibbetts Landing, Dino Hole. Uh, yeah, so there are dinosaur lots there. There's a, it's kind of like a little uh, 
truck stop. Um, there's a there's a portalette there or a toilet. Uh, it's also a boat ramp as well. So you know you can do South Canyon to uh, to Dino, which is a pretty short float. It's probably like three miles, two miles. So, but you know if if you only got an afternoon, and you want to do something quick. There's a bunch of good water on that stretch. From South Canyon to, to start, you're going to be in Canyon. So it's going to be a little cooler there in the morning. And kind of an interesting phenomenon is you're going to get wind in the morning, um, giving you a tailwind in the morning. So, you know, start pushing you down river first thing in the morning. And then as you get to lunch, it's going to start giving you a headwind. So it's going to give you the best of, best of both worlds there. Um, so it's something yeah. to be aware of. Um, as you get down river, you don't really get that tailwind in the in the morning. So that's one nice thing. But, you know, that first part of the canyon, you're – you're going down some faster moving water and getting a tailwind, so you gotta you gotta slow that boat down a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go down to Newcastle, and um, and it looks like there's a lot of side roads, frontage roads off of I-70 that you can probably get down to the river on if it's not private, right? But I imagine there's a lot of private land coming through from Newcastle. Yeah, there's a lot of private land, um, but there are some definitely some public accesses off those frontage roads. Um, and even off the I-70, you know, it's not necessarily the safest place, but there's a lot of little pull-offs. If you keep your eyes open for them, you'll see locals util- utilizing those little pull-offs on the I-70 and a bunch of really good um, wade fishing access. I would say um, wade fishing is not easy down here. There's a lot of big boulders and holes behind the boulders in front of those boulders, and so you can't just go... Um, thinking you're going to actually maybe even wade. You might just be walking along the bank because if you get out there, you could be stepping in a hole and going swimming. So um, I would definitely, yeah. you know, kind of tread lightly, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And what happens between silt and rifle? More of the same? Um, yeah, the, actually the river, you know, you got like one rapid to kind of start with. There's a couple weird little... Uh, crazy little, like almost drops. They're just just big, um, you know, features in the river. Big big rocks or uh, that are pinching the river and kind of causing water to push through certain areas. So there are some, you know, some technical aspects, but but for the most part, it's such a big river you can navigate around them. If you're not keeping your eye open, you you know you might you might get in the wrong spot. But the river opens up quite a get quite a bit and gets large. And you know now you're fishing, you know, long drifts and some of these uh, some of these banks. You're definitely fishing those eddies and working those for sure. Uh, you don't want to mess or forget about those. And then something I always like to talk about in a lot of these stretches is. You know, everybody seems to be gravitated. And, you know, when you're re- floating the river, you're like, oh, that bank looks really good. And, and you'll notice everybody goes to that bank. And sometimes it's good to kind of switch it up and go to that opposite bank where everybody is not going to. And you'll find these little depressions and pockets on that other bank. And it has more current than you thought. And all of a sudden you're catching fish. And, you know, hopefully the other boats aren't seeing you too. And you remember that and you keep heading back to those opposites. So, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> this this stretch definitely has some really nice long um, floating uh, drift possibilities and some really nice fish. Probably on average some of my bigger fish come out of this stretch. Um, I will say last year it got quite busy. Uh, I think one day we were talking about like, like 50 boats down there or something. It was kind of ridiculous. So, um, you know, yeah, and there's and other people were not fishing above that, and it wasn't any, you know, it wasn't any better. It just people were going down there. So there are yeah. definitely 
there had been, you know, reports of some very large fish, and I think that's what brought everybody down there. But then, you know, when you get that many people, it definitely, um, you know, the fishing was not as good for sure. So right. When you could just go up river or go down river a little bit and get away from it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, Devin Olson we were talking with, um, uh, and he was talking about uh, having a lot of success fishing the less fished areas. And by that oh, I definitely. mean... Kind of like what you're saying is, well, there's always that really nice run against the, you know, the, the south <laughs> side or something. But but there's a little run over on the north side that nobody fishes. But uh, he's found, you know, a lot of success fishing those those kind of offbeat areas where you think there's Most no fish. Definitely. There are, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. I mean, you never I know thought. what you're going to get into there too, because that could be where the big fish wants to lay, because he's not getting trampled on or spooked, you know. So. Um, yeah, by all yeah. means, that's what I, I recommend. Always trying to, and you know, if you've always fished a stretch and you and you're, um, I know for years there, you'd know I'd guide on certain areas and you'd guiding seven days a week, and it almost becomes automatic, and you get quite bored of it. And so it's a great way to go expand your horizons and kind of see some wild water, and all of a sudden you're like fishing a whole new river again. And yet yeah. it's the same stretch you've done day after day. So yeah, yeah. and and all of a sudden you're catching big fish you know so I highly recommend it for sure we did uh, I did miss one question so we'll finish up with this one see if you can help uh, yeah. Charles Phelps out in Minnesota he says uh, hi Zeke in a few weeks my wife and I will be driving uh, to southwest Colorado from our home in Minnesota we enjoy winter fly fishing we are curious about weight fishing for a few hours on the Colorado above Dotsero and have never done so I assume that late morning early evening early afternoon rather, uh, might be the best times to fish in early March. I'm not certain what time of day we'll be driving through, but I know we'll be somewhere west of Denver along the I-70 corridor on our trip. What, uh, with that in mind, I'd love to hear about uh, other wade-able sections of water close to I-70 that you'd recommend. Um, uh, he, likes, he likes tight line nymphing. His wife likes swimming, swinging wet flies. So, um, he talked about above dot zero. I think uh, it, that would be a, a section you talked about tonight that's pretty accessible, right? Yeah, that that stretch stretch is um, accessible. However, in that time, it could be still in ice. It, it could be free of ice, but it could still be in ice. You know, we're having another banner winter here. It, we really haven't let up in temperatures. I know a few. Um, stretches of the Eagle around Avon and whatnot have, have dropped ice and people are fishing them. But I don't know about, you know, gypsum. Um, I think most reports were saying that it was still under ice. Um, and Dot Zero can do the same. It can be iced up. Yeah. Now, that said, right at Dot Zero, right at uh, the I-70 there, there's some, there's some opportunities right at the boat ramp. And then, you know, I would really venture down. You know, I would venture downriver. You know, Grizzly Creek can be an option right there. I would really utilize a lot of those boat ramps and pull-offs. The next, you know, next stretch, even though the boat ramp's closed at two rivers, there's some public access around there. You can access there. The next stretch that I would look at is um, at the Kayak Park, which is just uh, at the East Glenwood uh, or no, West Glenwood exit. Um, and that's some some access right there, and then you got South Canyon as well, a bunch of access along that stretch, and then and then in that dinosaur that dinosaur area, um, Dino Lot is actually a great little wade fishing stretch, whether it's fishing right there at the at the boat ramp or a little above the boat ramp or a little below the ramp, boat ramp. 
Um, and then, like you said, there's a bunch of frontage roads, and you drive those frontage mm-hmm. roads, and all of a sudden you're seeing a little, you know, uh, a public water sign, and, uh, you know, those are great options. Yeah, all the stuff we just talked about, if he's, if he's driving through to, like, Glenwood and then going south or something, then there's a ton of ton of stuff we just talked about there. Mm-hmm. there so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, hopefully that helped you out, Charles, and uh, uh, enjoy, and hope the weather treats you well. As uh, Zeke has said, it's been cold here in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, the snow isn't melting off my driveway here up in the mountains. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Last week, I got my four-wheel drive stuck in the top of the driveway because the plow plowed so much snow up in front of the driveway, I couldn't get through and uh, spend an hour out there shoveling out. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to winter. um, I'm ready for spring like you, Zeke. I am too. (laughs) Let's go do some fishing. Uh, uh, Yeah, well, um, we've got to wrap it up here. but um, uh, we covered we covered a lot of water, that's for sure. And uh, stick with me here just a, a moment or two longer, and we're going to give away a few prizes, Zeke, and um, uh, and kind of finish things up here. So uh, I'll be right back. Uh, we'll be giving away that uh, one-year membership to the Fly Fishers International and one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, and also giving away a book uh, courtesy of Stackpole Books. So. Uh, and you can find out more about Stackpole at stackpolebooks.com. So um, I will be right back, and we'll do, do those giveaways. The Bristol Bay region of southwest Alaska is home to the largest runs of wild salmon on the planet and some of the best trophy rainbow trout fishing found anywhere. The pebble mine still remains a threat to the region, and 2 million acres of federal lands may be also at risk. The entire fly fishing industry is united in this epic conservation battle. Anglers from across the country are joining the fight. Be one of them. Visit SaveBristolBay.org. Again, SaveBristolBay.org. And there you can learn more about how you can get involved and help out. So check it out and uh, get involved. Uh, We've got to save this fishery for sure. And just a quick reminder to everyone, before you leave the website tonight, take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. You can find a link on our homepage in the section under tonight's show that says, what did you think of the show? Just Click on that. Leave us your comments. We'd really appreciate it. Um, now it's time to give away some prizes. So the, uh, the winners for the drawings are randomly selected from our show's registration database. And if you didn't register for tonight's show, it's too late uh, now. But make sure you do so for the next show so you don't miss out on a great chance to win some of these incredible prizes we have to offer. So if you are the lucky winner, you will be contacted after the show. And then we'll uh, collect your information so that you, we can give you your prize. So first up, we're uh, going to give away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International. and learn more about FFI, go to flyfishersinternational.org. They're a great uh, organization to support. Um, uh, they're fly, fly tying uh, conclaves, and their um, casting uh, education, and their conservation efforts are all things that you'll want to support whether you win tonight or not. So check them out, flyfishersinternational.org. And um, our winner for that is Stan Takami. Stan Takami in uh, Illinois. So, Stan, congratulations. You're now a member of FFI, so uh, uh, congratulations. Um, now we'll give away a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, which you can learn more about at amatobooks.com. And um, Amato Books publishes all kinds of books and periodicals on fly fishing, so check them out see what they've got. Um, and our winner for that is Lauren Leong. 
Lauren Leung in uh, in uh, Alabama. So, uh, Lauren, uh, uh, congratulations on winning that subscription, and I'm sure you'll enjoy fly fishing and tying journal. So, and now um, we'll do our question for uh, a Stackpole book, courtesy of Stackpole Books, StackpoleBooks.com. I got a whole list of books over here on my end, so uh, winner's going to get to choose from that list. So um, let's see who remembers what we talked about. Um, seems like there was maybe one primary method of fishing that worked well for Zeke, pretty much all the way down the river. What rig setup is uh, was Zeke using primarily for most of the fishing down the river? And Zeke, there's a slight delay before they actually hear me. And okay. then we got to wait for them to type. And so, so we got to kill a little time here. <laughs> yeah, you bet. <laughs> but uh, let's see what we come up with. That should be a pretty easy one tonight. Sometimes I give a hard one, and yeah. it takes a while to get a good answer. <laughs> but I think uh, that, and hey, I think we got it right off the bat. Uh, we got right. an answer of a dry dropper setup. You, is that, is you that got right, it. You got it. You got okay. it. That's Greg. Greg Cochetta. Cochetta. Greg Cochetta. I can't pronounce your last name, Greg. So anyway, you know who you are, uh, Aurora, Colorado. Uh, Greg, put your um, uh, shipping address in that same um, email. Uh, I mean, that same uh, place that uh, the text box that you answered the question in so that I get your shipping address. And then I've got your email here and uh, your name, and I will send you a list of books, and you can pick from that, and we'll get that shipped out to you. So I uh, hope you enjoy that, and uh, all the Stackpole books are great books, so I'm sure you will. Hey, Zeke, thanks so much for being with us tonight. It was a pleasure to talk with you, and thanks for sharing all your knowledge about the Colorado River. You got me all jazzed up again to go float it, so uh, I'll be doing that this summer myself. So uh, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. you. You bet. And thank you. And thank you to everybody out there listening. Yeah, great, great. Good to have you. Uh, hopefully, uh, everybody has found our archive on the show. And if you haven't, it says at the top of the every page, Podcast Archive. Just click on that. And you can uh, search by keywords. You know, you'll be able to search Colorado River, for instance, and uh, uh, or types of fish, rainbow, salmon, tarpon, uh, different fisheries, whatever you want, and you're bound to find something about it and ask about Fly Fishing's archive. So we've got over 300 shows now in, in the archive, so plenty of information uh, to keep you busy while you're tying flies here still this winter. So check it out, and uh, I'm sure you'll find something you'll like. Our next broadcast will be March 11th, uh, 7 p.m. Mountain, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and on that show I'm going to interview Kelly Latch, and the topic of the show will be the Upper Columbia River unmatched tailwater. Uh, Kelly is a professional guy of more than 25 years, and he calls the Upper Columbia home water. His tailwater produces average rainbows of 16 inches with 20-inch fish common, and uh, big rainbows up to 28 are caught every year. So join us and learn about this great tailwater and how to best fish it. We'd like to thank the Fly Fishers International, Amato Books, Stackpole Books, Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, Baja Fly Fishing and Watermaster for sponsoring our show tonight. And don't forget to visit our website at askaboutflyfishing.com and make sure you're signed up to receive our announcements 
so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing. Well,